Well, for the last two weeks, I said we're going to be ending our study in 1 John, but we're going to put it off one more week. Um, And the reason I want to do this is because the verse particularly that we're looking at today, verse 20, is one that is just packed with wonderful, wonderful truth. So Lord willing, we'll land the plane next week. And even the last verse, it's a very short verse, but it is also a very important verse in light of the whole context of 1 John. But as John has been winding, or as he's been closing out his book here, he's elderly, he's writing to these that he loves, he calls them several times, my little children, whom he loves in the Lord. And as he writes to them, he concludes with statements that speak about certainties. There are things that we know. He repeats this three or four times in these last several verses. There are things that as Christians that we know, that we are assured of, that we are persuaded of. And John speaks about some of those things as he closes out his book to give hope and encouragement and to strengthen these believers that he is writing to. And today, the one that we want to look at is that John says that we, as Christians, we have a certainty that we know the only true God. We know that we know this one true and living God. And verse 20 is a, just again, a a wonderful verse. It's packed full of truth. It's very illuminating and an encouraging verse. Let me read it for you. Verse 20, and we know, John includes himself in this certainty as he writes this to them. We all know, we know, if we're a Christian, we know that the Son of God has come And has given us an understanding. And what is this understanding that we've come to know? That we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Let me read it again. And we know that the son of God has come And has given us an understanding that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true. In his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. Now as we begin to look at this verse here that is packed with some great truth. There needs to be a warning that is given. Just as you often get medication from your doctor and you pick it up at the pharmacy and it may have warning sign and you read it that this medicine could cause this it can make you drowsy don't operate heavy equipment don't drive or do anything like that so there's a warning that is given and we might say that there's a warning that goes with this verse Christian understand that What we know and what we are certain of, that we are persuaded of, is not something that is going to be readily accepted on Main Street. And when you post things about Christ on Facebook, some of your friends will not like maybe some things that the Christian faith stands for and believes. And so there is this warning that John's not politically correct. 
He's not concerned to be. And so here is John giving us these things that we are assured of, that we know the true and the living God. Now, a lot of people will be offended by that, to say that, who, who do you think you are that you know the true God and the only true God? Well, we, we know, as it is said of Jesus, that he is a stone of stumbling and he is a rock of offense. We find in the Bible many exclusive claims that are made about the God of the Scripture, who he is, and the gospel, and who Jesus is, and the only way of salvation. These are exclusive claims that are made, so it should not surprise us that for people who do not know the Lord, that this will be an offense to them. And it may sound to be arrogant, For a Christian to say that I know the true and the living God, I know his son, I know the way, the only way of salvation, but it is not a statement of arrogance on the behalf of a believer. We know, as we're going to see today, that this is all of God's grace. It's not because we have been so wise. It has been by the grace of God that we have come to know him. And so, as we think of this coming to know God, it's not because of who we are. It's not something that we have discovered of ourself. We have come to know this true God, and we see, first of all, the origin of this knowledge. Where did this knowledge, this understanding come from that John is able to say that we know the true God? Well, he tells us here at the beginning of the verse, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. This is a a purpose statement. We find many of these in the New Testament with regard to the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It states the reason why the Son of God left heaven, came into this world, was born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, died on a cross. There are many statements that we find in the scripture that Tell us why he did this. And in John, we've already seen in John, 1 John 3, and in verse uh, 5, it says there that he, that is Christ, was manifested to take away our sins. It's one of the reasons he came, to take away our sins. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Verse 8, he has come, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. One of my favorite is Jesus says, I have not come into the world to be served, but I have come to serve and to give my life a ransom for many. It would be right that he would come, the Son of God would come and be served, but he did not come to be served, but he came to serve in the way in which he served was to give his life as a ransom for many. So we have many of these statements that are given to us, and here is another one of them. The Son of God has come. This statement, along with these others, assumes the preexistence of Christ, that he existed before the world began, and in time and in history, he came into this world, and in the implies the incarnation and all the story of Christmas. 
So he was the preexistent son of God who came and was born of the Virgin Mary. And he came, and one of the reasons he came, John says, is that he has given us, he's come for this purpose, that he might give us an understanding. To give us an understanding. This word understanding is a Greek word that is made up of a preposition through and the word nous, the word mind, through the mind. He gives us understanding through our minds. Christianity does not cause us to check our brains at the door. The gospel works through the mind, through the intellect. God has revealed himself through his spirit and by his word. And there are things that come to us through our mind. And it is Jesus who has given us an understanding. And this has this idea of perception. Being able to apprehend something for what it really is. And so we have an understanding. Christ gives an understanding. It is truth. And based on this truth, we come to understand something. We might say it's the aha moment when the Spirit of God and when Christ works in our heart and gives us an understanding and things come together and we see and understand truth left to ourselves that we would be blind to. And so it's kind of like a math problem. You're trying to explain a math problem. Well, you would have to explain it to me over and over again. And finally, I might say, now I get it. Now I understand. So it's having the truth, and now it all comes to light. There is this understanding that we have been given to us, and it comes to us through Jesus Christ. The light bulb, as it were, has come on by God's grace, and we understand. Think about the word understand. That's a compound word. Under, we stand under something that we have learned. We've come to understand it, and we stand under that. And we have been given this understanding. It has come to us because of Christ. He is the word. That's a term that is used of Christ. He is the word, the incarnate word who teaches us, who gives us understanding. In Hebrews 1.3, it says that in former times, God spoke to us through the prophets. But in these last days, in these last days, he has spoken to us in his son, in Jesus Christ. And Paul says that by his doing, if we're a Christian, by his doing, we are in Christ Jesus, who is wisdom from God. He is wisdom from God. Brothers and sisters, if you are in Christ, this is what God has done for you. This is what Christ has done for you. He has come to give you an understanding, an understanding. And that is so important for us as we live our life. This is one of the great treasures and blessings of being a Christian is that we understand truth. That God has revealed to us the God who made heaven and earth has given us understanding about who we are and where we have come from. It is telling us why the world is the way it is. It tells us about a hope that is found in Jesus Christ. And so we have a worldview that has been shaped by Christ through the incarnate Son of God and through the Word of God. We have come to have an understanding. But here in particular... 
John speaks about that we have an understanding about who the true God is. We've come to know him. Now, John's not afraid to use this word understanding because it was probably used by the false teachers who had been in their church and who had left them, who had rejected the truths concerning Jesus Christ, that he was the son of God. But John's not afraid to use that word. They claim to have a special knowledge. They were initiated with a special knowledge that they had. And it was through this enlightenment that they had that you could know the God, the, the God that know God. And John is saying, no, we have, we have an understanding. This understanding has come to us through Jesus Christ. It is through him. The one who Paul says is hidden in him All treasures of wisdom and knowledge, they are found in Christ. And this is the one who has given us an understanding. And this understanding here has to do with knowing the true and the living God. They don't have this truth of themselves. This is something that Jesus Christ himself has come and has given These Gnostic teachers were false teachers. They did not have accurate knowledge. Knowledge that we have has come to us through Jesus Christ. So this knowledge of the true God comes exclusively to us through Jesus Christ, the Son, whom these teachers had rejected. Listen to a few verses concerning this Understanding that we have received, Matthew eleven twenty seven, following Jesus pronouncing judgment upon the nation of the, the cities of Chorazin, Bethsaida, that had rejected Jesus as he had done his great miracles there. Jesus said it's going to be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than it is for you. And so here is. Jesus following up with that, and he looks at this little band of disciples that he has with him, and he says, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. It is the Son who reveals the Father. In John 1.18, we read these words from Jesus, spoken of Jesus, where it says that no one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten Son, the only unique Son of the Father, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Jesus, who for all eternity was in the bosom of the Father, who enjoyed fellowship with the Father, has come into this world, and John says he has come, this one who is in the very bosom of the Father, has come and he has declared him. And the word declare there is a word that metaphorically means to lead out, and metaphorically it would be used of drawing out the meaning of a story unfolding the teaching that is there. We might use the word to exegete. Hopefully, when I come to preach, I'm exegeting. I'm bringing out from the word of God the truth, leading out the truth that is there. And this is what the Son does for us. 
He is the one who exegetes for us the Father, who God is, what he is like, and he exegetes him. He declares him to us. And then these words, Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but by me. I've come, and I am the life, and I am truth, and I'm the one that leads to the Father. And you remember in John 14 as well, Philip says, just show us the Father, and it's sufficient for us. And Jesus answered, and he said to him, have I not been with you so long, and you have not known me, Philip? And then he says this, he who has seen me has what? He's seen the Father. He who has seen me, who has known me, he has seen the Father. And so here is Jesus, who is the source of this understanding, the origin of it, that we might know the true God. And notice the exclusive nature of this knowledge. Three times here, John is going to say, this understanding that we have of God is true, that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his son Jesus Christ, and this is the true God and eternal life. This is the claim of scripture, that this is a revelation of the God who created heaven and earth, who has revealed himself through his word and in his son, And it is a revelation of the one true and living God. He is true. And this this word has the idea of it is real, it is genuine, as uh, as opposed to that which would be false. He is the one true and living God. Any anyone else, anything else that would proclaim to be a God is false. He is the one and only and the true and the living God. God. This is an affirmation that the scripture over and over again makes that the God of the scriptures, the triune God of the scriptures, is the true and the living God. We find this, particularly in the book of Isaiah, the Lord emphasizes this to his people because they were so prone to go after other gods that were no gods. They would take a tree, cut it down, cut it in half, and carve an ang- the pagans around them would do this and carve an idol out of the one end and out of the other end they'd, they'd burn their fire and they'd cook their beans on it. And this was their God that they would bow down to a tree, an idol. And so God again and again reminded Israel that these were no gods. And so we read in Isaiah 44, 6, Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel, And his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. And besides me, there is no other. Isaiah 44, verse 5, I am the Lord and there is no other. There is no God besides me. And in that high priestly prayer that we read in John 17, Jesus there very clearly states again the reason that he has come, Father, You have given to me a people that I may give unto them eternal life. And what is this eternal life that I am giving to them? Well, it is this, that they may 
It's not just a ticket out of hell. It's not just to save people from hell. It is that. But it is so much more. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life. It's to know you. It is to know the only true and the living God. And so John, as he writes, along with the other apostles, is very clear that there is only one God. He is the God of the scriptures. He is the true, true triune God. And this God is known through his son, who is the one who declares the Father to us. So this knowledge of the one and only true God comes exclusively through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It doesn't come through Buddha. It doesn't come through Muhammad. It doesn't come through any other means. It only comes through Jesus Christ. Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.5, there's one God and there is one mediator between God and man, and it is the man, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It is he that has made a ransom for us. One God and one mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what I want to see is thirdly here this morning from this verse is the personal nature of this knowledge. Two things are stated here. Paul says, or John says, that the Son of God has come. He's given us an understanding. The first is this, that we may know him who is true, that we may know him. Now, when John writes in this way, he's not merely talking about cognitive knowledge. He's not just saying that there are things that we know about God. There are facts that we know about God, and that is true. The Bible gives us facts and truths about God and who he is and what he is like. These are all given to us in the scriptures. But this is speaking about another kind of knowing. It includes that. But it is to know in a personal way, to know personally. I may say to you, do you know who John MacArthur is? And you could say, yeah, I know who he is. But I also could say to you, do you know John MacArthur? Do you know him personally? Have you met with him? And do you know him? Do you have his cell phone number? And you'd probably have to say no, like I would. But uh, here, this truth is knowing him personally. It's not just cognitive. It's not just saying, well, yeah, I know Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. He was born of the Virgin Mary. He died on a cross. He was raised the third day. He ascended back to heaven. I know all that stuff. I have knowledge of God. That's not completely that all, all that John has in mind. It is to know him to know him in a personal way, a personal knowledge of him. It's the John 17, 3 kind of knowledge that you may know the Father, that you may know the Son. Part of the new covenant promise that was made in the Old Testament was this, that God would take out a stony heart and he would give a heart of flesh. And he said there that they may know me, that they will all know me from the greatest to the least. They will know me. And it's, again, a personal, intimate, 
knowledge of who God is. And this really is an important question for us as we are here today. Do I have this kind of knowledge? It's possible to have a knowledge of God and a knowledge of the gospel that is merely cognitive. I know things about Christ and I know things about God. There's a vast difference between knowing things about God and knowing God, knowing him personally, knowing him intimately as John is speaking here because in the last day Jesus said there will be many in the day of judgment who will say unto me, Lord, Lord, did we not do many things in your name? They knew a lot of things about the Lord and professed to do many things in the name of the Lord. And the Lord said, in that day, I will say to them, depart from me. I never knew you, workers of iniquity. You really didn't know God. And so the question is, I would put before you today is, do you know God in this way? Do you know God through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the revelation of who God is, who himself to, to know is to know the true and the living God. And so this reveals the personal nature of this knowledge of God that John is writing about. But there's a second thing, and this is a great mystery. It's a mystery of mysteries that John goes on to say, not only do you know him who is true, and then he says, and we are in him. We are in him who is true. We are in him who is true. There is a union that the scriptures speak about that exists between God and his people. And we have this term used over and again in the New Testament to be in Christ. And it has this idea of union, that there is this union that the believer has with Jesus Christ. And It is a union that John Murray says is the central truth of the whole doctrine of salvation. It is union with Christ. And Jesus compares that to to marriage. John, or Ephesians 5, Husbands, you love your wives even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You love her. No man has yet ever hated his own flesh. He takes care of himself. He nourishes himself. and, And so you... You're one with your wife. She's a part of who you are, and you are to love her because you are in union with her. And he quotes from Genesis 2.24, A man shall leave his father and mother, and he shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. This is God's beautiful design for marriage that I hope that we're all striving to know more of. But there is this union that we have. But Jesus goes on and says something Very unique here, he says, as he speaks about this one flesh reunion, he said, this is a great mystery, but I, or I should say Paul says this, but I speak of Christ and the church. There's this union between Christ and his church that is just like that. We are one with him. There is this union, and not only union with Christ, we have union with Christ, but also union with with the Father, which John says here, we know him who is true and we are in him. Speaking of the Father, we are in him who is true. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he keeps my word 
and my father will love him, and we will come to him, and we will make our home, our abode with him. Brothers and sisters, what an amazing statement. We will come, and we will make our abode with him. We cannot be in the Father without being in the Son, nor can we be in the Son without being in the Father. So here's this union, John says, that this knowledge that we have of God brings about this personal knowledge of him. And this union that we have leads to communion. It speaks about fellowship. It speaks about closeness. It speaks about intimacy. As Christians, we have fellowship with the triune God and are in union with him. I don't think I think about that enough as I ought to think about that, to meditate upon that. The God who made the heavens and the earth is one in whom I have personal fellowship and communion with. What an amazing truth. Just in closing this morning, the blessedness of knowing the only true and living God. You know, there are people in our lives who we know that bring such great blessing to us. To know them is to be blessed. There was a man that used to be in our church when it first started. He is a retired colonel in the army. I think he was like a three-star colonel. And uh, his name was Colonel Haga. And uh, probably two or three people that recognize that name here. But he took some of us high schoolers up to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base, and there was an officer's club there, and he took us there. And we got to swim in the officer's swimming pool. And then we had dinner that night in the officer's dining room, and we enjoyed that because we knew him, and he was kind, and he blessed us. And so many relationships are like that. There is a blessing that we receive by knowing others. But here is the greatest, that we have union and we have fellowship with the the greatest and the best of all beings, the true and the living God, the maker of heaven and earth, who has reconciled us to himself through his son, Jesus Christ. And to be joined to him opens up a fountain of blessing to us. I was awake at 4.30 on Thursday, Friday morning, thinking about my sermon. That's a curse for a pastor. Getting closer to Sunday, can't sleep. And, but as I was thinking about this verse, I thought, what are some of the blessings that we have, I have, in being in union with the creator God of the universe, that I can say that I know the only true and the living God. I know him, the greatest and the best of all beings. I woke up and I wrote down some of these things that I have access to the Father. I can pray, as Jesus said, our Father who art in heaven. And he hears the prayers of his people. We can come to the throne of grace and we find a sympathetic high priest who's been tested in all points like we are yet without sin. And he gives help and grace in the very time, the very moment that we need it. We have wisdom from God. We have security. We have safety. The name of the Lord is a strong tower, and the righteous run to it, and they are safe. 
We read these amazing words in Romans 8, that if God is for us, what? Who can be against us? We have rest. Come to me, Jesus said, and I will give you rest. We have peace. We have comfort. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything. Instead, in every situation, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let tell your requests to God, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Blessed be the God, Paul says, who, who, the, who is the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulations. And we have them, don't we? But here is a God who gives help and grace to his people. He provides for our every need. He will never leave us hanging. He will never forsake us. There is holiness in knowing him. He's not going to leave us the way he found us, enslaved to sin, doing harm to ourselves. The way of the transgressor is a hard road. It is a hard life. But he's come to make us holy, to know him is to be more conformed to the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. He gives us fatherly discipline. He loves us too much to let us go on in our sin. And everyone that he receives, he chastens. Every son that he has, he disciplines to bring about the peaceable fruit of righteousness. My life has purpose because I know this God. He has predestined me to be conformed to the image of his own son. He is making me to be like him. And he's going to complete that work. He's made me for his own glory. And this gives me purpose for my life. What is the chief end of man? Very important question. The chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Your homework is to Make this list longer. And I would encourage you to do that this afternoon. What does it mean to know this God? What are the blessings that accrue to me in fellowship with him? Well, these are just a foretaste of things to come. Because the psalmist tells us that in his presence there is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. As we come to this verse, John is ending the way he began his epistle. In 1 John 1, he says this, This Jesus that I've been speaking to you about, I have known him, I have touched him, I've seen him, I've heard him, and I'm revealing him to you, and he is the word of life. And I'm revealing these things to you so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And I'm writing these things to you that your joy may be full. And everything between these verses and the end verses in 1 John are telling us what it looks like to know the true and the living God through his Son, Jesus Christ. So as we close today, I want to ask you again, can you say along with John, with other believers, I know the true and the living God.
through his Son, Jesus Christ, the only name given under heaven whereby we can be saved. If you cannot say that today, we point you to him, that you might believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that you may know this true and living God through him. And if you're a believer today, together we come before the throne of grace. And we say, thank you, God, that you have given us an understanding. You've not left me to my own foolish way of thinking. Because that's what we are left to ourselves. Because the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. But he has given us an understanding. And that's by his grace and by his mercy. And to him alone must be all praise and glory. Let's stand and we'll be dismissed.